shout of praise to Jesus this morning because it's all about him. Don't give him a golf clap. Come on, give him a shout of praise because he is worthy. He is good. He's better than anything else. Amen? Amen. Y'all can go ahead and high five somebody as you sit down. If you're already seated, still reach over and high five somebody. Don't smack him in the forehead or anything like that. Give him a high five, okay? How about our student band leading us? How, how, man, they are awesome. I'm, I'm so excited when, when, they, when I heard that they were leading on Sunday morning. They did a phenomenal job. I'm really uh, thankful for the leadership and the potential and all that God is doing with that group and what's going to come out of that. You know, uh, Rich is going to be replaced soon, and so you know, just get ready for it, Rich. I'm letting you know. Uh, you know, and for next, who knows, the next student pastor is going to come out of that group as well. And I'm praying for that. Uh, I'm good with that for someone uh, to come and as God continues to empower. Uh, we're going to continue this morning uh, looking at the Holy Spirit. Uh, pastor Toby began a series on the Holy Spirit uh, a couple weeks ago after Easter. And I think that was just a, f- a great time to start with that because we focus so much. We, we look at Easter and we think of all that God did and we celebrate the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And we were thankful for what he, he did then. And we look forward to what that means for us. And that, that means that we get to spend eternity with him. Who's excited about getting a chance to spend eternity with our God and with Jesus Christ? But here's the thing. God has called us to not be there yet. If you're here, that means that you're not there. Unless you're just having some weird experience and we can talk about that later. I don't know. We're not, I'm not Paul, and so I'm not having, you know, and so Paul was the only one that I know of that was called up into the third heaven. And so we're called right here, right now, and Jesus desires every single one of us to live this life in such a way that honors him today. And we have so much to honor him for, do we not? And so today we're going to continue looking at the spirit. Spirit of God. Everybody say spirit. Everybody say spurt. You gotta say, yeah, say it like you're from Alabama. Spirit. Look at the person next to you said the spirit wants to work in you. Now tell the person that's, that, you, you, that uh, said that to you, thank you for spitting in my face. Jesus had turned the other, Jesus had turned the other cheek also, okay? So we're going to talk about the Spirit of God because I believe what God desires for every single one of us is to see that Jesus is doing something in your life right now. It's not, Christianity is not something that God says, here, walk with me, put your faith in me, and then one day you get to be with me. He says, no, you are going to put your faith in me, you're going to turn and repent and you're going to trust and you get to live with me right now. Life Student Ministries is all about this experiencing and understanding life now. Now, students, don't let me down and don't make me look too much like a fool. What, do, what, is, our, what is our vision? We exist to what? To know life, live life, and share life. Whew, that was, I was scared there for a second, like I didn't know what was going to happen. Uh, so you, you made me proud. Thank you so much. We exist to know life, live life, and share life. And we find that uh, the vision God gave me for student, for student ministry in general is found in John chapter 17, verse 3. And that says that this is eternal life. 
that they may know you, the one true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And so we exist to know life, and we exist to live life, and we exist to share life. But all that is based around and hinges around one key word, and you would think that, it, you know, some of us would say, well, it's got to be eternal, or it's got to be life, because it's life. No, no, the one word is the word is in that. And you're like, Henry, that is a really weird word to just build a whole... I understand. Let me explain. We, if you were to ask, and if I was to ask some of you all, I've asked students, I've asked adults, what is eternal life? The primary response, the, major, the majority response that I get is eternal life is being with Jesus in heaven. It's living, it's living in heaven with God. It's spending eternity in heaven with God. And this mindset is, is that we are going to have eternal life one day. It's going to come later. But when you look and research that, that word is, is, is actually meaning that this is right now the eternal life that Jesus is calling us to live. And so it's not that God calls you and he saves you for one day to live for him. He says, I am saving you. I am coming to redeem you so you can live it right now. And that is my heartbeat and my hope. And that is where the Spirit of God, as we walk, as we see that God the Father loved us so much that God the Son would come and step in our place to die and to pay our penalties so that the Spirit of God, God the Spirit, could come and dwell within us and live it right now and the spirit wants to come and wants to work and wants you to live and dwell and dwell with him forever which starts today so what does that look like as we continue looking at each uh, internal takeover i want to give you a takeaway for this morning and so if you're taking notes i encourage you to take notes just got back we uh we went as a staff uh, to the art conference down in uh, down in Birmingham, and we had a chance to. Uh, I've I've heard this so many times, but uh, just reinforced again. Take notes because uh, we remember eighty five percent more of what we write down than what we just hear and try to remember within hearing it. So so write these things down again. Nothing nothing uh, you know big or anything awesome with, with me or, or Pastor Toby. It's just we desire for you to know what God is calling. And what God desires for your life. And so the takeaway this morning that I desire for us to, to, to see what God has for us is this. We have to look internal to see the eternal over the external. We have to look internal to see the eternal over the external. What do we mean by that? We have to look at what, what God has placed within us. God has given us something greater than we could ever imagine, but we look at the world around us and we wonder what is going on today. What is happening in this world? Because there are so many things that are coming about that we would say, man, this world's falling apart. Man, th th there's just no way. There's no hope. We look at our schools, we look at businesses, we look at decisions in government, we look at the, we look at the family, and we go, what is going on? And all these things that we're looking at are external, and God desires to look a little bit different. 
We're going to look at John, 1 John chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 John chapter 4. Because I want us to understand why we are called to look internal to see the eternal over the external. Because God has called us to something greater, something bigger than we could imagine. And so look, at, look with me. 1 John, uh, 1 John chapter 4, verse 1 through four. It says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets, false teachers have gone out into the world. Let me just start off on that verse and let you know that what we face today, what circumstances you think are you, that you face and that you think are new are absolutely not new or anything that com- that's coming about us. If you're sitting there kind of going, oh my goodness, I don't know what's going to happen, Jesus. And, God, and you think God's sitting up there going, oh, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just gonna, I'm freaking out. I'm sweating. I'm getting all nervous and all this stuff. I just don't know. That, that's not the case, okay? The, the Apostle John is writing this to the first century church. And so the last time I checked in Scripture, the enemy only had three objectives, uh, three objectives and that was to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Say those with me. Steal, kill, and destroy. That's what these false teachers were going out to tell. That's what these false teachers were going out to sell to whoever who would listen and to deceive as many people as possible. This thing, this isn't new. That was coming about. And so if you look at your, if you're looking at your circumstances, if you're looking at your, uh, your external situations or your external circumstances that you're facing every day and think, how in the world is God going to do this? How in the world? I've never faced this before. Understand one thing, God has. God has walked where, you're, where you are walking right now. God has walked in the midst of that trial or that circumstance, and he has proven himself faithful. And you know what that means? If he has been faithful in the past, that means we can trust that he will be faithful in the future. So whatever it is, whatever false prophets or false teachers that are going out, that are trying to steal your joy, to kill your potential, or destroy your testimony, or destroy your life, know that this is not anything new, and that is, that is, this is not something that's taking God by surprise. See, now, for me, I don't know about you, but that gives me, that gives me some pretty good hope. It gives me a little bit of assurance, a little bit of rest, knowing, hey, this isn't new. This isn't something different. This isn't taking God by surprise, whatever. You know, and I, I got to be honest, I, you know, the, the argument of what's happened in one of the major uh, retail stores in, this, in our country and the decision made there, and I know that there may be different uh, deferring uh, uh, opinions even within this room and everything, but you got people that are just saying all these, these different things that they're blasting. They're, you know, we got boycotts being signed, all this stuff going on, uh, everything going on throughout this world. Let me, let me just say one thing, that this did not take God by surprise. This did not, did not shock God. And, him go, and he, he sat up there going, whoa, this is a game changer. Time out. Stop. Back up. No, God said, 
I have a plan that is going to be fulfilled. And the enemy is just seeking three, these three main things. He's been doing it from the foundations of the world. And so what John tells us, he says, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For there are going to be all kinds of things going out and coming in to our lives. And so verse 2, by this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is, is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and now is in the world already. And so basically what, what, what John says is that everything that we face, all these things that com- it comes down to, we don't need to worry about all these different things going on. How do I handle this situation? How do I handle this? What do I do with this? How do I go from here? How do we do this? We need to ultimately ask, is this God or is this not from God? And how do we determine that? Is this honoring to Jesus or is this not honoring to Jesus? Does this honor Jesus? Does this confess Jesus as Lord? Does this confess Jesus as coming as God in the flesh? Does this declare the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus? Or does this proclaim a different gospel, something that is contrary to that, that says you can do better, you've got it on your own, you've got, you can handle it, whatever it takes, you've got this under control. If it is, those are the two options, and that's everything will fall under that. That honestly should make it a whole lot easier for so many of us if we understand that that's it. You see, because ultimately that's what it comes down to. We just went to New York City for a week, and you know, every, if we were to ask you know, the people that went, the 20 of us that went on that trip, one of the main things that they tell you to focus on, that they tell you to base everything around, as we were ministering and talking with Muslims, and we were trying to reach out and build relationships and bridge that gap, the, one of the things that you have to look at is who is Jesus Christ? Who is Jesus? Because what, they, what, what Muslims will, will say is Jesus was a good person, but he was not God. That Jesus was a prophet, but he was not the Son of God. That Jesus was a created being, but he was not God come in the flesh. And we build those bridges and we build those relationships. And as we built that, the, the, the question that would come back over and over, even as I had a chance, my, first, my very first encounter, I got to say, my very first encounter and conversation with a Muslim was when we were on that trip where we sat down and I actually had a chance to sit down. I had talked in passing with him before, but to genuinely sit down and converse with a Muslim and converse with someone under the faith of Islam was absolutely remarkable and astounding to me. And that's really what it came down to. That was the discussion that we came to. Uh, me and Jack had a chance to sit down with a guy. And, and honestly, talking with him, he, he would tell you that there were great benefits of all three major religions. And what he's referring to is Christianity. Christianity, uh, Islam, and Judaism. But it came down to the fact of who is Jesus. It always came back to that. It always came back to who is Jesus in Scripture. 
They don't believe that Jesus was, uh, was killed on the cross because for a prophet, for, for someone to be a good prophet, that, that they couldn't die a criminal's death. And so they, they deny that, but they can't tell you anywhere in Scripture where that is found. And so as we converse, we had a chance to talk. That's what it comes, that's what it comes down to. Ultimately, I've had a chance to talk with students, with adults, on so many different subjects and so many different topics. And what it can come down to, if you have the chance to pour in more and more and get to it long enough, you will find who is Jesus to them. And that's what the Apostle John is saying. That's what John is telling his, to his, uh, his audience as he says, you will know, by this you will know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come into the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus Christ is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist which you heard was coming now and now is in the world already. C.S. Lewis, one of the greatest Christian minds uh, in the last century or so, uh, was, was a devout atheist before he gave his life to Jesus. He was an intelligent, intelligent man. Uh, he sought out actually to disprove Christianity. He gave his life, he devoted everything he could to, to disprove and say that, guess what? Christianity is not real. Jesus was not who the Bible, and ultimately to confess and to declare and prove that Jesus was not God coming in flesh. But he gave his life to doing that, and the Spirit of God said, no, I've got something greater for you. And as he sought out, the Spirit just confirmed more and more, whoa, wait a minute, I thought this was not true. This is totally true. This is completely and utterly true, and I've got to confess, and I've got to trust in this faith. So he surrendered his life. He gave his life to Christ and became one of the greatest authors to write, uh, to write about the Christian faith. But he was teaching Super brilliant, crazy. You know, some of us, you know, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just happy to be here sometimes. He, 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 like, he went on to teach at Oxford, uh, you know, and you're like, where exactly? That's, I'm, I'm, I'm talking, it's one of those schools that are so smart. I'm like, no, no way. Ain't happening. But he goes on, he teaches, he's a professor at Oxford, and these professors call in Dr. Lewis. And they call him in, and they've got all these different religions written up on the board. And, he, and, and they've, they've, got, you know, they've got the major ones, like I said. They've got Judaism. They've got, uh, they've got Islam. They've got Buddhism, Hinduism. But all, I mean, any and every religion they could think of. There's actually a religion out there, and I wouldn't doubt it was on there, that they believe in the God of the one-eyed flying spaghetti monster. I can't even remember the name of it. It starts with a Z. You should find that one. It's quite interesting. I think it's got a, maybe 100 to 200 followers. You could be 101 today. Please don't. But they've got all these religions on this board, and they bring C.S. Lewis in, and they ask him, and they say, Dr. Lewis, please tell me, as a, newly, as, as, as a devoted follower of Jesus, as a new, newly converted Christian, please tell me what's so different about your Christianity and all these religions. And they were trying to back him up into a corner. And they were trying to back him up into this mindset. And so Dr. Lewis comes in and he looks at this board. And he, and he studies it. He sees the different one. And thinking that they had him, he sits there and ponders for a minute. And he looks and he looks at him and he says, that's easy, one word. And that's grace. That was Dr. Lewis's response. 
out of all these other religions. He says, that's easy. Christianity is different because of grace. And grace is giving us what we don't deserve, God's riches at Christ's expense. And it's all because of the internal work that God desires and giving us eternal life regardless of our external circumstances. But let's look at verse 4 because this is where we find the greatest hope. As all this stuff's going on around us, as the, as the audience that John is writing to are facing these false teachings, they're facing these false prophets, all these things, they're having to test all these different spirits, all these different things, all these different situations that are coming about them. John comes in verse 4 and he says, Little Children, you are from God. Now we could stop, honestly, we could stop right there and that could be enough encouragement to know that God looks at every single one of us who have put our faith in him and, and calls you his child. He calls you, he says, little children. You are from God. You're not trying to get to God. You're not trying to work and see what all you can do in hopes that you'll be received by God. You are from God. And you're a child of his. He says, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Can I get an amen on that or something, just excitement? Because that is great news, that no matter what you face, no matter what you're going through, no matter what enemy or what the enemy tries to throw at you, no matter how he tries to steal or what he tries to kill or what he tries to destroy, you have a promise based on the authority of God that you are a child of his, that you are from him, and you have overcome it already, and you can walk in victory because of Jesus Christ and because of the power power of the spirit that dwells within you. Do you understand that? It's not something that, that you overcome one day or you will overcome. You have overcome anything that, is, that the enemy is throwing against you right now and have been called to walk in freedom and in victory through Jesus Christ. That means that when that enemy of addiction and that spirit of addiction and temptation comes back and throws, you remember you are a child of God and you have overcome it because greater is he that lives in you than he who has overcome the world. When that spirit of bitterness comes up and starts bringing something up from the past and says you don't need to forgive them, you can't forgive them, you remember you're a child of God, you are from God and you've overcome that and you grant forgiveness because you've already been forgiven. When you have that spirit of forgiveness rebellion that says, I don't want to follow authority, and the Spirit tries to say, you don't have to follow it because you're like God, which is the first law all the way from Genesis chapter 3, you understand that you are from God. You are from the Creator. You are His child, and you have overcome that, and greater is He that lives within you than he who is in the world. It doesn't matter what we face. It doesn't matter what's going on in our lives. We know that we have a God and we look internal to see the eternal over the external. 
and we look and see what are, what, what are we drawing our strength from? Are we trying to do it our own? Here's what I want you to, here's what I want you to get, two things as we, as we wrap up. I want you to understand one thing, that you can have eternal strength over external situations. You can have eternal strength. As we look internal and we see the eternal over the external, we see eternal strength based on the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells within us that overcomes any external situation that you may be facing. John chapter 14, verse 15 through 17. Look at this with me real quick. Because I want you to understand, this is Jesus promising his, promising his disciples, saying that this is what God has called us to do, what God is calling them. It says, verse 15, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. He's going to give another helper, a comforter, another God that will come and to be with you forever. Everybody say forever. This helper, this God that dwells internally is going to be with us for all eternity. And he's going to walk and he's going to guide. He's going to strengthen. He's going to comfort. It says, I will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and he will be in you. So we see eternal strength over external situations. Let me, let me just share one thing on this that I realized that I, as I studied this more and more, this passage, the greatest thing about this passage, when you study it and when you see what God desires for us, is that this passage is not just referring to you individually. It is actually a plural you. It is y'all. If we were to say John, if John got a little southern, or Jesus got a little southern in the gospel of John, it would say, y'all have over. Y'all can do this. Y'all have something. I'm going to send y'all someone that's going to help you. Y'all will know him, okay? You, you get what I'm trying to say here? You get what I want you to understand? Because it's not just that each individual one of us need this, this encouragement and need to look internally. We, as the church, as the body of Christ, have got to realize that we have something eternal over the external, and nothing can tear down the body of Jesus. Because the bridegroom will come and defend his bride. Jesus is jealous for his bride. He's jealous for his people. That's why he doesn't leave and just leave us to our own. He says, I'm going away so someone else can come, so something else can come and strengthen you that the Spirit of God, that I, that I walk with, you've been with me externally. Well, guess what? I'm sending the Spirit to come and live within you and to reign and rule over you and to guide you in all faithfulness and all righteousness. And so it's the helper will be in the church. I want to read that again. I want to, I want, I want to, because I want you to catch this, okay? So, so bear with me and let Jesus be Southern for a second, because it says, if y'all love me, y'all will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give y'all another helper, and to be with y'all forever. My students make, I keep saying y'all, because I want you to understand, my students make fun of me for the longest time, because I used to say you all. 
it was like a northern southern thing, I guess. I don't know. Kentucky, we have our own language. I'll just tell you that right now. We're, we're our own people. We're interesting like that. It's fun. It says, to be with y'all forever. Even the spirit of truth who the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but y'all know him. For he dwells with y'all and will be in y'all. Church, understand and take encouragement that the Spirit of God is in y'all. He is in me, he is in you, and he walks with us. And he guides us. So my question is, are we allowing him to? Are we looking internal to see the eternal over the external, or are we looking externally? Are we looking at our situations? Are we looking at our marriages? Are we looking at our families? Are we looking at our ministries? Are we looking at our jobs and everything and trying to figure it out externally, or are we trusting God to come in and do something great? I believe it's Charles Spurgeon that said one time, he said, if you were to take the Holy Spirit out of the New Testament church, out of the first century church, if you were to take the, New Te- the this Holy Spirit out of the first century church, then, you, then 95% of everything that they did would cease to exist. It means that the, the New Testament church, the, the first century church, was, was trusting, relying. They were looking internally. They were trusting eternally and leaning on the Holy Spirit and the power so much that if, you were to, that if God was to take that out, 95% of what they were doing would cease to exist. We would not have the New Testament church. They would not be able to make it. It would not happen. But Spurgeon also said, if you were to take the Spirit of God out of the church of today and understand this was written in like 1905, a hundred years ago, that if you were to take the Spirit of God out of the church today, 95% of what we do would keep on moving as if nothing ever happened. Is that true of Smoke Rise? Is that true of our church? I'll be the first to confess. I'll be the first to tell you I've gotten in my ways of saying, you know, I've gotten in my structure. I've gotten in my, in my zone and saying, you know what, I've got this. And really start, and before I realize it, I've just said, I've got this under control. Jesus, I don't need you. We've all done that in our life at some point. We've all sat there and said, I can do this. I don't need this. When Jesus is saying, no, the external will overwhelm you if you don't look to the internal. If you don't see and allow the Spirit of God to come in and take over and lead and guide because he's with us forever. He's with you today. He's with you tomorrow. And we have eternal strength over external situations. Second thing I want us to understand is we have an eternal relationship over external resources. As we look internal, as we look and see what this spirit, if the greatest God lives on the inside, as Pastor Toby started off the series with, and as we see what God is doing, we need to understand that he is building an eternal relationship versus external resources. You see, the world bases its peace on its resources while God's peace depends on it the relationship we have in him. 
So if you feel like, you know what, I just don't have it all together, but you know you have, you know you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you have what you need for eternity. If you look and you see all the things going on in our world and all the things that we're facing and say, I just don't know what we're going to do. I don't know. We don't have the manpower to counteract this. We don't have the manpower to pull this through. We just can't. We don't have the finances to bring this about or anything. Then we, we may be looking at the external resources versus, and forgetting about the eternal relationship. And God's desiring you, saying, come back to the eternal relationship, and I'll tell you, I'll show you what needs to happen. I'm sure, again, I alluded to it earlier, you've seen what's going on with, with Target and, and all that good stuff. And again, I don't want to get into that whole debate or anything, but it, I, if nothing else, it is spurring conversations. I hope that it spurs good conversations, it, it, that it spurs God-honoring conversations of what's, of what's happening and what's going on. But one thing I am coming to realize is Jesus is calling us to go and be light. And we can't go and be light if we pull ourselves out of everything. And we... Re, and we we pull away, and we say no, and we, we say, you know what, and I've seen them on Facebook, you know what, I, I personally, you know, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of Target. I walk in there, and I'm like, oh, good Lord, everything's 50% more, not 50% off. I don't get that. But I mean, I'm, I'll be honest, we, we've, we've shopped at Target many times. And when I saw the news, I had to step back and, go, and really ask, are we going to continue to support them? Are we going to continue to, to, to show love? And, you know, and, and the argument that's being thrown out there, the argument that's being thrown out there is a lot of moms that are uh, with, rightful, with rightfully so, you know, worrying about the concern of the safety of their children. And I've got a, a seven-year-old daughter. I've got a two-year-old son. And as a dad, I worry about that. But as I saw that more and more, I started to, as I was seeking, as I was, as I was praying through that and really thinking through that. And again, uh, one day when it first came out, you know, you just couldn't scroll through Facebook or social media and, and without seeing 500 different posts with 499 different opinions, uh, mainly because a couple of them were repeated. One of them was probably repeated and they were just saying amen to them. I mean, everybody's got their opinion on it. And I started seeking, and I started asking, okay, God, what is it in this? And God really honestly started to bring me back to this scripture and bring me back to this whole message to remember and to realize that, look, there are going to be false teachers. There's going to be a spirit in the world that, condemn, that, that condemns good and applauds evil. And I believe, I believe that that is a sin, uh, that that is a sin against a holy God, but I also believe that we have something greater that dwells within us than anything that the world can throw at us. And therefore, we go out and we declare boldness and we declare victory over a lost and dying world and say that there is something greater, that there is something bigger, that there is something more important than just one, little, one instance of a bathroom, that there is something greater, that these people are dying and going to hell trusting in this false prophet, trusting in this false teaching, and they need somebody to shine the light at them. They need somebody to step out into the darkness and say, I love you. I 
want you to know that Jesus loves you. I want you to know that there is a greater God out there than any God that we try to please on our own, that there is hope eternally, that this, if you are saying that this is what you want, that that is your choice, but this is the best it's ever going to get, and there is eternal separation and darkness waiting for you. And I love you too much not to tell you that. And so my question is, how can we be a light in the midst of darkness? Do I know, do I, am, I, am I saying I'll never step foot in Target? No, I can't say that. Am I saying, though, that I'm going to go there this afternoon? Absolutely not. I'm still praying. I'm still weighing through. How can we do this? But this is what God's bringing me back to. This is the hope. As we, as we seek more and more, will we start seeing these situations, not looking externally at all the different things going on and trying to figure Figure out what external relationships or what, I mean, what external resources we have and how can we counteract and how, how can we show an eternal relationship with a loving Father that is good, that we can trust in? Because that's what it's about. It's about knowing that there is something greater. People in the world walk by sight and they depend on the externals. But Christians walk by faith and depend on the eternals. Our home is not this earth. Our home is with Jesus Christ. And based upon the promise of Ephesians, we will be with him. I don't know about you, but I'm good with a couple more people joining us. I'm good with some more people coming to be part of that family. I know in the first service we got we got to see several people give their make their declaration. I look I, I want I want to see students know that you are empowered by the Holy Spirit, that you have strength and you have ability and you have authority and you matter and you are going to impact this world for Jesus Christ if you will trust in the Holy Spirit. Know that you're loved. Know that you matter. But, and if no one else ever asks, know that the Spirit of God is saying, walk with me. And do something great for the kingdom of God. Adults, why don't we start modeling that for this generation now? Why don't we declare and say, today is the day. Jesus, you are good. You are a good, good father. We love you. We worship you. I want to live my life based on the eternal rather than the external. What would that look like for us as a church? I'm asking that question for me. I'm asking that to see, how God, how do you want me? God, God's already showing me some things. God's already showing me how to impact and pour in to students, how to, how to reach out and see what kind of small groups we can develop as we, as we seek to live life together for the kingdom and the glory of God. How can we see the Holy Spirit honored and glorified in the name of Jesus? As the band comes and we close out, Understand that the Spirit of God teaches us the Word and guides us. It doesn't drag us into truth. The Spirit of God, as we look and we look internally, we see eternal truth. And He reminds us what He has taught us so that we can depend on Him in difficult external times. 
What difficulties are you walking through? What life circumstances, what external situations, external resources are not coming up to, 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 to meet that? So what, what, what's going on? What are we trusting in? I know this, we can trust in a good father. We can trust in a strong savior. And we can trust in the helper that is dwelling within you today. We're, we can trust in who Jesus is and that the Spirit of God dwells within each and every one of us. So every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm inviting you right now to search and to seek your heart and to ask the Spirit, Spirit of God, am I looking to you? Am I trusting in you? Am I walking with you? We've got to look to the in internal. We've got to look inside of ourselves. We can't, we can't fix the person next to us. We can't fix the exter what's external to us. That spouse, that child, that situation, that job, that class, that friend, whatever. We cannot fix them. But we can show them as we trust in the eternal spirit of God, we can show them what it's like. And so my question to you today, two questions. First off, have you trusted in the spirit? Have you given your life to Jesus Christ? Have you, are you looking to external situations? Are you seeing all these things going on in your life and you're wondering why is all this crumbling? What's happening with all this? I don't get it. And the Spirit of God is saying, trust in me. You've been trying to do it on your own. You've tried every resource. You've tried every situation. You've tried everything you can think of. And the Spirit of God is saying, no, you need to trust in me. You need to have a relationship with me. You need to confess your sins and believe in your heart and trust and surrender your life to who I am. And you do that by simply doing just that. You confess. You say, Jesus, I am a sinner. I need your forgiveness. I have wronged you. I know that you are God. I know that you are God in flesh. And I'm asking you to come into my life and save me. You confess that. We had, we had a student do that this past Wednesday during student worship. It was just a night of worship and game night. I mean, it was one of those things you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't even expect, it, but God does the unexpected. Great. Not even, I wasn't even here. I was, I was with the, at the conference. I got a phone call from the leader. The Spirit of God wants to work. Some of us, though, if we have put our faith in Him, we are not looking to Him daily. We're looking at our, our at our situation, at our circumstances. We're looking outward. We're not looking inward. And so the Spirit of God is saying, you look to me. You trust in me. If your family's falling apart, you look to me. If your friends are, are falling apart, you look to me. If you've got a loved one that is going down a path, you first look to me. If you've got a situation that you don't have any idea how you're going to overcome, you look to me and I will be with you.
Spirit of God just kind of impressed on my heart. Honestly, if you would say that that is you, you would say, Henry, I've got a circumstance, I've got a situation that I can't do it. I'm looking external. I need the Spirit of God to, I need the Spirit of God to guide me in this. I need, I need to trust in the Spirit. I need to trust in Jesus. I'm not, I'm not asking even about salvation. I'm just asking, you're a follower of Jesus Christ. And you say, externally, situations, circumstances, they are not going well at all. And I need some help. I need to trust in Jesus Christ. If that's you, I just invite you to raise your hand so I can be praying for you. That's all I'm asking. Anybody else? Be honest. Let's get real. Let's get honest. Let's get open and say, you know what? I don't have it all together. I need help. You may be sitting in your seat saying, well, you know what? I just, my situation really ain't that bad. Well, no. Jesus saying, call on me no matter what circumstance, no matter what situation. So that's you. Raise your hand just so I can be praying for you. All right? Anybody else? Now, if you didn't raise your hand, I hope that it's because you're walking daily trusting in Jesus. If it was one of those things, you know what, I just don't want to, I, I, I just, then, then find somebody and talk with them on that. Ask them to pray for you. Ask them to be lifting you up. Ask them to, to, to seek God, the Spirit of God with you. They would get that settled today. Don't let that sit too long with them. God, for those that raise their hand, God, I plead and pray the blood of Jesus over their lives, trusting and knowing, God, that you are greater and greater is the one who lives within them than he who is in the world. And so we take claim and victory over the enemy that would seek to divide, to seek to conquer, to steal, to kill, and destroy. And we ask the spirit of life the spirit of power to come and to dwell and to take over these situations, to take over our lives, that we would look every day, no matter what it is, no matter where we're at, we would hope and trust in Jesus Christ. We love you, we praise you, we trust in you because you are a good, good father. We love you and worship you right now in Jesus' name.